Hello and welcome to 10 with Zen. My name's Helen and I'm an advisor at Zen Educate. Today my guest is Samina Chowdhury. Samina, you're the founder of Equitable Education, co-founder of Women Ed, and you also have a new book just out titled Equitable Education. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, uh, Helen. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. It's lovely to have you. Um, Samina, can you tell us about Equitable Ed and the work you're doing around closing the gaps? I've, I've had the privilege of having a variety of roles in education and beyond, all with a focus on equity, diversity and social justice. As you said, I've had a, a number of roles um, and as part of that, over the 30 30 plus years that I've worked in education, I've had the privilege of working with hundreds of schools cross-phase to improve educational outcomes for pupils with specific needs who, with additional support, can and do achieve highly. And I've also contributed to a number of publications, and you've already mentioned, I think, that um, it's actually culminated in me writing Equitable Education, what everyone working in education should know about closing the attainment gaps for all pupils. The, the common theme in all of this has been in relation to providing an equitable education for all groups of children, as there's too, too many pupils still in our education system that are not getting the deal that they should be getting. So I set up Equitable Education, uh, a consultancy focusing on closing the attainment gap in 2013. And I've been really focusing on social class, gender, English as an additional language, minority ethnic achievement, Gypsy Roma traveller pupils, refugee and asylum seekers and special educational needs, as well as leadership. And at the moment, I actually work as a learning standards and effectiveness officer for a local authority. You've already started answering my next question, which is the particular challenge of intersectionality. So can you explain for us what this is and the impact it can have on children's education? And we'd love to hear some specific examples of how you've worked successfully with young people in these groups. I think in, in education at the moment, we have a very simplistic and crude way of defining pupil needs. So we often use the general term disadvantaged pupils or pupils eligible for free school me meals mm. and sadly sometimes I even hear pupils being called free school meal pupils or pupil premium pupils but actually the reality on the ground is that it's very much more complex and nuanced than that and obviously it does depend on the context of where a school is situated you know, the issue of diversity is likely to increase over time. So if we were to just look at it from the point of view of, um, say, 100 pupils, we know that 17% uh, of those are free school meals. By the way, these figures were taken before the pandemic, so they will have grown. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 33% are now from minority ethnic backgrounds. One in five child or nearly 20% has English as additional language and we have about 15% that have special educational needs. Now, what we, and then there are other groups of children like Gypsy Roman travellers and refugee and asylum seekers that don't really even feature properly in terms of when we're looking at their particular needs. And what we do know is that all of these groups that I've mentioned have, have higher rates of uh, inequalities and 
have higher rates of eligib eligibility for free school meals. So, for example, nearly 60% of traveller children of Irish heritage have free school meals, 33% of Gypsy Roma pupils, 28% of Caribbean, compared to overall about 15%. And then we've got also, if you look at special educational needs and uh, pupils, and when you disaggregate it by primary need, you can actually see that there's higher levels of inequalities in terms of social class for pupils, for example, with social, emotional and mental health needs, mm -hmm. or if you're looking at moderate learning difficulties. So this brings us to the term intersectionality, which was coined by Professor Kimberly Crenshaw in America, which means that you can basically look at how more than one characteristic comes together alongside social class, for example, ethnicity, gender, disability, and how they culminate to have an impact on pupils' attainment and progress in schools. So I personally think we need to move beyond these binary definitions and understand the complexity and nuances that exist when addressing pupil needs. And as you said, COVID has really brought to the fore these existing inequalities. We know that lots of these uh, groups have actually suffered more as a result of uh, COVID. And what I think we need to do now is really make sure that we are addressing specific needs of these groups of uh, pupils to be able to address some of the existing and emerging inequalities that we have in the system. That's so helpful to hear it explained in that detail. And I, I wasn't aware of where the term had originated from. So that's that's so helpful. What kind of work is going to be successful for these children, Samina? I think we, we know from, for example, you know, the Education Endowment Foundation, what does work. And, you know, there's a lot of evidence-based research. But my, And obviously, I would really encourage schools to look at the evidence base that's already there but we also know that there's a lack of evidence base around some of these uh, groups of pupils and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book because I have spent you know decades researching looking at what does work okay. and you know pull that together and so what I you know one single piece of advice I would give to to leaders in in schools is basically know your community and know it really well and then look at what will work for your pupils as opposed to looking at, you know, national information that you think you can just take and apply into your context. And there's nothing like living in the, the um, um, you know, living a day in the life of a, a young person that's in your school, really getting to know those experiences rather than what you think is, you know, the issues for those communities that you serve. That's that's really helpful and that's lovely to hear. Know your community is such a powerful message. Um, Samina, as the co-founder of Women Ed, which is a grassroots movement and has a huge following now, what are your hopes for the future there? I think what we'd like to do is obviously it's grown Incredibly. When we first set off in 2015, it was okay. a Twitter conversation and we were organising a conversation. It was just like-minded seven women getting together, very passionate about equality in terms of gender equality in particular. Yeah. And we said that we'd, we'd sort out a, a non-conference. So we never set out to grow a movement, but obviously it resonated. It's a big issue. And on that journey, we now have about 40,000 uh, followers and it's grown from regional networks and 
you know, English-based to UK-based. So we've got lots of um, followers and activities taking place in um, in the UK, but also it's becoming an international network, showing that these issues are pertinent right across the, the board. As you'll, as you'll appreciate, and I'm sure many of your listeners will as well, that um, education generally is very female-dominated. Yes. But what we found was that, um, you know, the leadership positions are always held by women. So moving forward, and we've had lots of accolades, you know, there's been books, there's MAs now that you can yeah. do with female, you know, um, cohorts. And what I would want moving forward, and, and we have tried to build this in from from day one is ensuring that we're actually serving the needs of all women so you know I know I started off talking about you know different characteristics and how we need to be more nuanced what we do find is if you look at disabled women if you look at minority ethnic women and so on that actually they're less likely to be in those leadership positions so um Although Women Had has worked on that, they're actively now really making sure that uh, they are bringing all members of the the community in. And, you know, older women, for example, as well, making sure that they have the support. And it's also given rise to many other organisations, so they felt empowered. So you've got BAMED, Disability Ed, so on. So I, I would just wanted to see it grow, flourish, remain a grassroots organization because it's all based on supporting one another and you know the the best thing you hear is when you find out that individuals have actually succeeded in their dream role and been successful so we want to see more and more women become leaders of the future and present actually not just the future present as well yeah absolutely Samina and I remember speaking at one of the first conferences back in 2015 when it was so new and so exciting and it's still exciting but it's amazing to see how it's grown and and how you've been able to respond collectively to that need which is which is wonderful um Samina thank you so much for being our guest today For our listeners, we always follow up our podcast with a transcript, including key links to help you find out more. Thank you all for joining us on 10 with Zen. Thank you for listening to 10 with Zen. If you'd like to book staff for your school in London, Birmingham or Manchester, do visit zeneducate.com to find out more. Mention 10 with Zen to our team for 50% off the first few days of your short-term booking or long-term role.